Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter and under the My name is Bernie. This is not Alex, as I love to say every time he's late to a podcast. Um, but I'm joined by the ever reliable and wonderful. Uh, I'm going to say award-winning winning journalist, even though I don't know if you won any awards, uh, but Rahul Kavapale, friend of the pod. Rahul, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for the, the glorious intro, though. I think a more accurate description would be award-attending journalist, because I think I've awarded, uh, attended one or two awards, but I haven't won any. Well, really, what I what I was getting at was you've won multiple under the cost trivia nights, so those count as awards in my head. <laughs> in fact, along those lines, a couple of days ago, I found a twenty five dollar gift card to Betty's Pub, where you guys used to hold the trivia nights, and that's that was I think our second place consolation prize from a few years ago. So I'm hoping they they still honor that. Yeah, I was gonna say they, they, they might look at it and put a magnifying glass over it to see if it's fake or not or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's from it's from 2017, so I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on redeeming those. Well, it's COVID times. They probably just want anyone to come in and and buy and get a drink at this point. So, yeah. But man, thanks thanks for joining us. Um, whenever Alex gets here, it will be it will be the three of us. Um, but let's let's get right into it. You are a Real Madrid fan, as everyone should know by now, and La Liga expert. Um, so I think it's a good change of pace to start with the Liga, especially as, you know, my, my, my team is trash right now. So uh, give me something else to talk about. Um, well, let, let's start with La Liga. What's been the feeling for the start of the season? Um, you know, how's everyone feeling about, about the season? What's, what, what are the big news items? Let, let's start with that before we get into the actual results from the first match day. Well, uh, so for starters, Barca and Atletico haven't played yet. I think they, they played next weekend or within the next two weeks anyway. Uh, going into the season, I think the feeling for most La Liga fans is, or at least for me, is it's going to be rather similar to last season where we have the three big teams, none of whom are really going to be at the top of their powers. And it's just going to be this like not the highest quality sort of rumble towards the La Liga title. And also, like last season, I think one or two of the most exciting teams or stories might be beyond the top three. Uh, mm-hmm. Last season, is a, it was the Real Sociedad, who were fantastic to watch last season. Uh, this term, it might be Sevilla, perhaps Sociedad again, Villarreal. Uh, so it's, I think it's the sort of season that's going to highlight the depth of La Liga because the, the big teams are not, are not at their best. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's potentially um, quite interesting because... You know, right now, Granada have won two games and Betis have won two games. And, you know, I, I expect that too. <laughs> the, the the table to change once, you know, Atleti, Barca play and, and really starts to take shape. But um, last year, Sociedad was a big story, right? Like, at least for a good chunk of it. And then, um, did they actually end up making the Champions League? No, no, they didn't. They They were great the first, like, five, six months or so. Possibly, I mean, definitely one of the best teams to watch in, in Europe. But then they sort of fell off after that, and uh, Odegaard suffered an injury. And really, in the, the closing uh, weeks of La Liga, the big story was Granada, mm-hmm. who are the opposite of Real Sociedad, just like a really shitty team to watch. Lots of shit housing, rough <laughs> play, lots of diving, and very you know teamwork. That sort of that sort of unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that's how the season was split uh, last term, and. Uh, 
Sociedad have lost uh, Odegaard, of course, who's come back to Madrid, and they've replaced him with David Silva, which is a pretty damn good replacement. Yeah. So yep. <laughs> they'd be looking to, uh, yeah, carry on from from last year. And 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 to that to to that point, they still have um, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Yarzabal? They do. Know. Yes. I thought he would leave because I, from what I understood, you know, I didn't, I don't watch too much La Liga, but he seemed like he was having a monster year himself and is a very talented guy. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised he stayed too. I, I, I was expecting more Premier League teams to be linked with him. I mm-hmm. say Premier League because uh, they have the most cash and it's pretty easy to come and raid any La Liga club that's not Real, Barca, or to some extent Atleti nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we've seen that with Rodrigo going from Valencia, who are a Europa League team to Leeds United, who are a newly promoted team in the Premier League. That's just, you know, how it works now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, Oyarzabal, he's, he's great. He's pretty much uh, the heart and soul of uh, Real Sociedad. He's a club captain, even though he's, he's pretty young. And uh, yeah, he's definitely not going to stay there very long, I can tell you that. Yeah, I definitely thought he would move in, in these COVID times. Um, but speaking of, you, you sort of alluded to it, Valencia had what you could consider a fire sale. And I think they're still open to selling players. What What's going on there? <laughs> well, I, I think the transfer deadline this season is, I think it's extended into late October, something like that. I might be mistaken. I know it's sometime in October. So there might be more departures coming for Valencia. Uh, the big ones where they basically took their entire midfield and gave it to Villarreal uh-huh. uh, <laughs> in the form of their, their captain, Danny Parejo and, uh, former Arsenal man, uh, Coquelin. Both of them went to Villarreal. Both of them started for Villarreal in their win uh, this past weekend. Um, so uh, Valencia, it's an absolute basket case at the moment. Uh, the fans are really, really irate at their owner, uh, the club's owner, Peter Lim. And a few months ago, they were even like pissed off further because Peter Lim's daughter, who is an Instagram sort of model slash influencer, basically issued an Instagram post where she said, you know, yeah, this is our club and we can do whatever you want. So you fans, you, know, you can go suck it, essentially. And she's not completely wrong. It is their club and they can ruin it as, as they see fit. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, we'll see. They might lose more players. It's, there's still time. Who, who do you rate in that Valencia squad? Because as, as I do, when, and, and it's a running joke here, I love a fire sale. And I and I I look for I look for little gems that you know if I was a director of football for my team I would go hmm Valencia have no money who can I pick up that's useful here uh, who, who who do you think would be a good shout for you know a Premier League team looking to raid some players the first one that comes to mind is uh, Gaia the left back he's he's really good I think he's uh, probably got the highest ceiling of all the Valencia players. Uh, like he's someone I expect to, maybe he should be playing for a, a team at the very highest level. Um, beyond that, there are a number of players who are good players and, you know, a, an elite team might look to them as like a backup or rotation option. Uh, somebody like, I don't like a Condogbia, for instance, in midfield is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're, if somebody's out there looking for a, a fast, wide attacker, you could bring in like Cherishev. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to win you Ballon d'Ors, but he can he can do a job as a as a squad player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goncalo Guedes is another one, really like inconsistent, but at his best, he's he's actually pretty amazing to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, if you needed those sorts of impact players, there's uh, quite a few options out there. But in terms of true world class quality, I think it's really just Gaia, in my opinion. Okay. 
Makes sense. What about the strikers? Maxi Gomez, is he any good? Uh, he's 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 all right. He's nothing special. Uh, he I think he did score uh, in their their last game this weekend against his former team, Celta Vigo. He's pretty good, but he's still still pretty young, so maybe he'll get better. I think he's like twenty four, mm-hmm. maybe. But again, not really the highest caliber. Not somebody I'd be super excited about going and and rating uh, unless unless you're a mid table team just looking to get get another body in there. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, all right. Switching gears, let's talk about your guys, um, defending champions. Uh, let, let, let's let's talk about last season a little bit. Um, winning the league. I think the quote from Zidane was that this was his most important trophy or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, do you share that that thought? And how did you feel about winning the league? I do, actually. I think uh, his exact wording was it's uh, the title that meant the most to him or that made him the most happy. And that's because it was probably the most difficult one to achieve uh, mm-hmm. because the, the squad isn't as good as it was when he came to Real for his first stint and won those three Champions Leagues. And uh, if you remember, Bernie, we did uh, a La Liga preview uh, podcast about uh, just over a year ago. We did. And, uh, you asked me what the expectation was or what my priority was. And for me, it was really winning La Liga. It wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about Champions League. Obviously, you can win the Champions League. It's, it's amazing. But After you win three was... times in a row, what do you <laughs> care now? <laughs> yeah, plus, I mean, really just looking at where our team has been in its development. I, I thought La Liga was the realistic uh, goal, and mm-hmm. we just about got there. Didn't really do it in style, but I didn't really care about that for last season. Uh, our defense is really what carried us to the title. We have the best defensive record in, I believe, the top four leagues in Europe in, in, in domestic competition. Mm-hmm. So now, going into this season, my priorities again pretty much the same. It's just I'd like to win La Liga again and do it with a bit more style, maybe score more goals. Uh, be less reliant on on uh, Benzema as our only reliable goal scorer. And again, if you can make a deep run in the Champions League, get an easy draw, have a good night here and there, maybe do something special there. But really, it's another La Liga-focused uh, season for me, and I'm sure Zidane will be thinking the same way. And you drew your first game nil-nil, I think, against Sociedad, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah. Right. And what was that performance like? Are you ready for this? Is the team ready for the season, or...? Is it just the first game? Don't worry about it. What What are your thoughts on that performance? Well, uh, our performance in the first half was actually really good. Uh, so we we had Odegaard starting, which was a pleasant surprise because he isn't actually fully fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for someone who was playing his first game for the team without really a preseason, uh, he looked pretty good. And, you know, I went to halftime, even though it was goalless, I was like, okay, we're going to take this. But in the second half, I saw the same of uh, really the problem we had last season, which was creating really solid goal-scoring chances and putting a good final ball into, into the box. And that's where we, we really disappointed the second half. And uh, so it looks like the same issues will persist for us where, you know, if Benzema doesn't create something special on his own, uh, we're going to struggle to score. Uh, hopefully Eden Hazard is, is fitter this season than he was last season, and that would, that would go a long way towards resolving it, things. So It definitely would. It definitely would. Um, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we've got a late entry, um, into the Kosh cast. I, I won't say substitution because there's no one to sub. So he's just walked onto the pitch. <laughs> Welcome our usual host, Alex. Hello lads. Sorry. I'm late. 
My deepest apologies. I got stuck uh, doing brickwork and it got really dark. And so I had to stand there with a, with a flashlight. I do apologize. That, that, that's all right. Uh, I was trying to think of some type of football pun involving bricks and running through a brick wall, but I couldn't make it work. So I just put it out there. <laughs> I like it. We'll think about it for next time. <laughs> uh, so we're talking La Liga. Yeah, we're starting with La Liga. Um, we're, we're right now on the, the topic of Real Madrid. Mm. Uh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're talking about the, the, the Sociedad game. I guess it's very difficult to read into the season now, especially because we know you're going to be first or second one way or the other. So what, what does it I'm, mean? I'm not, I'm not that confident. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we finished maybe a, a third, although I do think we should be gunning to win it. If you're going to finish third, who is finishing second? And is it Luis Suarez's Atletico Madrid? You know, I think he's... It, is, is that transfer official now? No, I think it's just, I think it's, okay. very, uh, it's a here we go, I believe. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if it happens, I think he's a really good pickup for, for Atleti. Even though he's, you know, he's, he's lost, he's not just lost a yard of pace, he's lost a few yards. But he had a pretty decent goal-scoring return last season at Barca. And he'll give Atleti something. Like, they've been relying on people like Morata and Costa and, like, a aging Fernando Torres and stuff up front. And someone... Like Suarez thrown into the mix, could could be uh, could be exciting. It'll be fun to see the the extent of shithousery with Costa and Suarez playing for a Simeone team. <laughs> I I think it's almost it's incredibly stereo it's stereotypical at this point how Simeone literally buys players who are just assholes like that that that's his thing. It, it's a bit like Jose with his you know you need to be see you next Tuesdays on, on the all or nothing. But Simeone takes it to a whole new level. I'm sure he's telling players, listen, I need, you, I need you robbing people's houses and then abusing grandmas on the street or something. I think that's what he demands of his, of his team at this point. You know, I just feel bad for young uh, Joao Felix because he looks like this really nice, innocent, fresh-faced little kid. And he's in athletic training and, you know, Costa's like spitting on someone and Suarez is biting <laughs> someone. And... And, you know, this kid just wants to play some dazzling, flowing football and they're, they're getting coached on, you know, how to, I don't know, injure an opponent or whatever. And he's probably like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? He should have thought of that, really, shouldn't he? I mean, as a 19-year-old with all his maturity, he should have realized what was going to happen. <laughs> he could have looked at Thomas Lamar and Nicholas Gaetan. Gaetan, the, 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 the spirit of Nicholas Gaetan for me. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure the initiation for uh, Atleti is like some uh, fraternity hazing experiment where you have to go like rob rob a woman's bag or something. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that team. Um, but on on you you said you you can see a tighter race. Um, let, let, let me put it this way: so you know, nil nil, not a big deal, not nothing to worry about really. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the team here, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Odegaard, I would expect Hazard to come in and probably, would you say, Rodrigo to slip out of the team? Yeah, we were missing Hazard and Asensio and Isco for this game. So that's why in the, in the final stages when we were chasing the wins, they damn threw on these Castilla kids, these teenagers. And uh, so it might have been different if he had those guys. So I'm not super worried. Uh, I would expect once he's fit, someone like Asensio would start on the right more often than not. And Hazard on the left, if he can get himself in shape and stop being overweight and eating too many cupcakes. That, that does seem like a big if, though. Like, even he admitted if, yeah. that, that yeah. 
what was it he said that like you just couldn't stay away from the pitch that he'd just be massive yeah. yeah it's like we know mate we can see that yeah how do we feel about marvin olawalea kinlabi park matter of time that was <laughs> I'm surprised it took us uh, whatever how many minutes are we in seven minutes or whatever to to uh, for Bernie to mention uh, Marvin. Uh, he's actually pretty good for a 19, 20 year old who making his debut in a situation like that. Uh, so he he won the UEFA Youth League with Real's uh, youth team a couple months ago, who were coached by Raúl, a certain uh, Raúl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really expect to see him anywhere near the first team. And I think it was just a uh, just again due to the absences that we've had, uh, but he looked pretty good. He created one sort of half chance, but I don't think we'll see him again for a while once the Asensio's and Hazard are back. If people don't know, what was his background? You were telling us earlier. Yeah, he is a he's half Nigerian, half South Korean, but born in Spain, so he's eligible to play, I believe, for all three yep. of those countries. That is and he wicked. Is, and he's a he was in the Tranmere Rovers Youth Academy. <laughs> Pardon? He was in the Tranmere Rovers Youth Academy. Real Madrid picked him up out of there. I, I don't know if there was some any other stops in between, but yeah, he has Tranmere and Real Madrid on his CV. That is bizarre. Well, I hope he makes it because he sounds fascinating. I mean, talk about like third culture kid. Like it's this fourth is, or fifth. This guy is level levels of inception deep in this third culture. <laughs> <laughs> My God. But expect the Nigerian uh, uh, Football Federation to extend an invitation now. Bernie's <laughs> emailing them to tell them to get on it. <laughs> get, oh. him in, get him in our new wonderful kits, man. <laughs> oh, they are nice. They're always nice. Raul, can I ask you about your one of your opponents? Uh, David Silva made, was it his La Liga, his second La Liga debut? Yeah, coming off the bench. How, how was he? Uh, he, he didn't really get on the ball like a whole lot. Uh, so there's nothing really to report. Uh, he came on and, and Sociedad were better in the second half when he was on. They created more chances. Uh, but, you know, he seems to be fit and that's really all that matters. I think one, once he's in, given a couple of games and gets used to his teammates, uh, I think he's uh, he's a really good pickup for them. Like they've replaced one of the most promising young playmakers in the world in Odegaard with one of the most proven world-class playmakers in Silva. And it's an excellent pickup. Awesome. Uh, let, let's let's move on to the enemy, um, Barcelona. Um, oh, you could say either of, of we talk about Lady that's the most we're going to talk about them uh, and their abusive human beings. But uh, Barcelona, it's been a wild summer for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And let me put this out here for the record i think they're one of the worst run big clubs in the world only second to my lot um but this messy debacle and now ricky is it peak alex (laughs) 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 alex understands that joke uh yeah yeah, ricky pooj um god i love that name He's Great. being alienated, apparently. What's <laughs> he's being pushed out? Well, <laughs> 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 please ex- break this down. What is what is happening at Barcelona right now? How much time do we have? Uh, well, we got five minutes for Barcelona. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I, I will just say the, the past year, all the controversies that they've had with Abidal saying stupid things and, and leaks coming from here and there, and Messi being annoyed and terrible signings. It makes my heart really happy to see this sort of uh, turmoil at Barcelona. It's, <laughs> it's, it warms my heart on the inside. Uh, 
sometimes I have to control myself from shedding tears of joy seeing the state of their club, especially in contrast with our club. Even though we're not the greatest team right now, our club is so well run over the past, most of the past decade and the current re regime that's in place. There's really not, not really any drama, especially now that Gareth Bale is gone. So, uh, yeah, the, I mean, with the Messi situation, I this may shock you, but I actually wanted him to stay at Barca. Mm -hmm. um, possibly because I'm not threatened enough by Barca at the moment to uh, to want him to leave. Like, I think it means more if we can win La Liga again, beating up Barca with Messi. And uh, also, because I, I think it would be a big loss for the league if he left, especially because we don't really have a proper bona fide superstar like Ronaldo right now. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how because how it all pans out because he clearly doesn't didn't want to stay there anymore. Mm -hmm. And Kuman has come in. Uh, he's probably the you know he doesn't seem to be a great like man manager type. Like he's a bit of a shit show when he was coaching uh, in Spain. So. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Griezmann, where is he going to play? Coutinho and Ricky Pouge, who looked really good to me whenever he played last season. Kuman doesn't like him. Uh, so it's really, really difficult to predict uh, what they're going to look like. We, we, would, we were discussing Barcelona, well, you know, since, the, since the Messi thing started. Do you, so Bartomeu is going to face elections in the new year, right? Um, do, do you see, you know, Messi said in his statement, Look, I'll hold on for a year. But if Bartomeu gets replaced, do you see him staying? Because so, presumably he's going to lose that election, right? So he himself cannot run again because there are term limits. Oh, right. Of course. So he he's not going to run himself, but there's going to be a sort of continuity candidate from his right. camp who's going to run. And the the other, the opposition guy who's running the challenger is a guy named Victor Font. And he's a guy who said, who promised that Javi will be the coach if he wins. And so he has a Javi on his in this camp. Uh, so, I mean, I, and I think that election is set to happen in, in March. It's not even at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, so for Messi, will that change things? I mean, it, it really depends on how they do between now and March, right? Like if, uh, if they're complete shit, he can start negotiating, talking to other teams in January because he's a free agent end of next summer. So if Barca are really bad these next few months and somehow Man City convince him uh, to think about going there, he can start talking to them in January. So that's three months before any election at Barca. So again, as usual, like on, on field stuff is going to dictate uh, whether he stays or not, I think more so than the election. That's a good point. That That's a very good point, the, the January point, because he could in January, you know, just say, I'm out. I don't care what, what, what happens unless he is, you know, very, very certain that Javi is going to be the coach. Uh, and if he's certain that Javi will be a good coach. Yeah, that's true. He might think Javi's a complete dickhead. Which we, I think most of us do. Which I, yeah, <laughs> which I, which I do. And, and as a Madrid fan, I'm not, I'm not, uh, this might come and bite me in the ass five, ten years from now, but I'm not the least bit threatened by the prospect of Javi, the coach. Uh, he just strikes me as this extreme tiki-taka ideologue who will like force them to play that way even if they're not equipped. And even if he is a brilliant coach, it's going to take some time to turn that club around. And Messi doesn't have a lot of time. So he doesn't, if, if, if he doesn't have the time, pitch, for sure. Yeah. And and as we've seen in the Champions League, Tiki Taka right now needs to relax for a little bit before it can make a comeback because people figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, 
I, I just, um, you know, what, what the, the story that, that came out, I think yesterday, is that Barcelona, got, this is a slight tangent, Barcelona managed to get 40 million for Nelson Semedo. Can you, out of 10, how surprised are you at, at the level of cash that they're getting for Semedo? Who are they selling him to again? Wolves, who are oh, obviously okay. run yeah. by Jorge Mendes, who is Semedo's agent. So, uh, I actually rate Semedo probably higher than most. I think he's pretty good defensively. I don't know if he's a Barcelona quality fullback, but having said that, yeah, 40 million is a bit much, but there does seem to be a sort of like Premier League premium on players going oh, to that sure. league because the amount of money everyone has. Like we were discussing Rodrigo going to Leeds earlier for I think 30 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit much, but actually uh, if I was running Barca, uh, I would keep him. Interesting. It, it just it, it struck me earlier, you know, that one of your your young players, uh, Ashraf Hakimi, went for 40 million and I would much rather have him. But then you know, it depends on if, if your emphasis is attacking and defending, I guess. Well, I, I guess the real question is, so I, I don't th- I don't rate tomato at all. So to me, if, if someone gave me 40 million, I'm, you know, doing the proverbial riding him over, like putting him in the bike carriage and, and, and taking him wherever they, they want to go. Um, but who who takes that spot now? Like who's going to play right back at Barcelona? Uh, presumably uh, Sergio Roberto. Oh, my God. They're also linked with uh, Serginho Dest at Ajax, but then so are Bayern. And if if I was Dest, I would be going to Bayern right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That was Barcelona done. (laughs) 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 They're over with. So Real Madrid to retain their La Liga crown in a very boring affair, apparently. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Yeah, I think think that's my prediction, if I had to make a call. Okay. And and en route to that, will Luka Jovic play six minutes or 12 minutes? You know, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I've, I'm really annoyed at this Jovic situation and how Zidane is really not, doesn't seem to trust him. Uh, I didn't think he was that bad last season at all. It's just, it's difficult when you're a 21-year-old striker going to Real Madrid from the Bundesliga. You're getting five minutes here, three minutes there, seven minutes, like a month later. How are you going to get into any sort of groove? And... This season, it feels up to me, I would keep Jovic in the squad and just take that risk of giving him some starts every once in a while against some lesser opposition. You can always bring Benzema on in the second half if it's not working. But the word around the campfire now is they're looking to loan him out. And I really hate that. I, I would just keep him and, and keep the faith because I, I think he's really good, even in the limited minutes that he got last season. He looked as good as someone can look with you know only a couple minutes here and there. Well, he's also your only backup striker, right? Like, if you loan him out and Benzema gets injured, what's the plan there? Well, for now, we also have uh, uh, Mariano Diaz and, oh, true. and Borja Mayoral on the books, neither of whom... I, I like Mariano quite a bit, but Zidane doesn't. Borja Mayoral, I think, is no, nowhere near Real Madrid quality striker. So if Jovic leaves, I, I'd assume maybe we have some sort of move on some other striker coming in. Like the last couple of days, this Cavani rumor has been uh, circulating in uh, the Spanish media that they're looking to get him because he's available on free. Uh, so maybe it could be one of those, uh, you know, like Henrik Larsson to Barcelona years ago, that sort of transfer where you bring this guy in for a year, maybe two max. Well, otherwise, he, yeah. If he's on the bench injured. though, does he, does he not see yeah. himself as big, better than that? At this stage of his career, I don't think so. I mean, 
I don't know who else is in for him at the moment. Uh, it was weird. He was. It looked like Atleti was was a sure thing, and that went away. And then it looked like Benfica was a sure thing, and that went away. And we we were talking about it earlier today, and we we're wondering whether it's his wages, which were huge at PSG, but you'd assume that he'd be willing to take at least somewhat of a cut to join someone else. Well, the, the report in Marca today was that one of the reasons Real are not keen on signing him is because he's insisting on getting 7 million euros a year and they don't want to give him that, <laughs> rightly so. <laughs> so he might it's be onto something. Cheeky ask that. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, at, at that stage of your career, why wouldn't you, you know, go to Real Madrid? You should, yeah, you're not going to be the starter, but you might do something special. You might write yourself into their history in some other way. Maybe you score a big goal in the Champions League. Again, I mentioned... Uh, Henrik Larsson for that reason, because he went to Barca in sort of similar circumstances. Why, why wouldn't you do that? And, if you, and you can always go to Qatar or MLS or whatever later, get your big paycheck. People will want you. So it's, it's strange. It's true. He is really good, though. Yeah, yeah. I'd love, love to have him. Yeah, I but. bet. I bet. Yeah, I don't know, man. Atleti seems seemed the natural fit for me. I'm, I'm really disappointed that didn't happen. Anyway, um, with La Liga, out, outside of the, the top three, just very quickly, any any other like stories that you can see developing over the year that we should look out for? Um, I think uh, Villarreal look like an exciting team to watch. Uh, they've, uh, As I mentioned earlier, they raided Valencia for basically their entire midfield. Uh, they also have our uh, Japanese starlet Kubo uh, on loan there now. Ah. So I think they, they need to be looking at a, uh, a Champions League finish because they, they just missed out last season. They finished fifth, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, so that's one. And then Sevilla is the other one. They did get a Champions League spot. They finished fourth. Uh, they now have Ivan Rakitic back from uh, Barcelona. Kicked him out the back door. <laughs> And, uh, and the other one, I, as I mentioned to Bernie earlier, is uh, Real Sociedad. Uh, replaced Odegaard with Silva. Otherwise, uh, mm-hmm. they're not super changed. Uh, uh, they're pretty unchanged. So can they can they take the next step and challenge, try to get a top four spot? Uh, so those are the teams to watch. And in many ways, those teams might be more exciting to watch than the, than the big three in terms of the quality of play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially for me, because Villarreal have Samuel uh, Chukweze on the on the Chukweze, team. So, yeah. you know, if I don't get Jaden Sancho, someone needs to do me a favor and get a Nigerian brother for me to to uh, placate my sadness. <laughs> just stay, just stay away from Marvin Park. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll 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 talk to the boys about about leaving him alone for you. <laughs> Sorry, it's such a good name. Mark Park, like it's just perfect. Fantastic. All right, so uh, that's enough La Liga. Let's talk uh, Premier League. Um, hmm, where to start? Let's start with the big game: uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. That was the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, Liverpool won two nil. Uh, Chelsea red card. Uh, Christian Christensen, pretty much a half time, yeah, and then. Um, uh, he rugby tackled him. It was yeah. bloody hilarious. I <laughs> just like the ref initially gave a yellow. But I, I don't know, Did you see this? I did. I, I watched that match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so like, Mane's clean through. Christensen just dives onto his back like a hyena chasing a lion on like um, planet Earth or something. And pulls him <laughs> down, and the ref initially gives a yellow, and then like very takes a look at VAR and is like, "Oh no, no, no! That is a massive red card." <laughs> It, and, and Christensen always seems to have this permanent expression of looking extremely perplexed. 
And <laughs> with the red card, that level of perplexion went to a different, different, different level altogether. And it was just incredible to see him so perplexed and aghast at, at this rugby tackle thing where he basically yanked Mane to the ground with both arms. He's hilarious. like, what do you mean it's a red card? Come on, ref. <laughs> but it, it was bad. And I, I mean... Chelsea cannot defend at the best of times. And that was a straight ball down the middle. Now, it was a good pass by Henderson, which we normally don't say, but it was it was a good ball. Um, but to be done like that, it's just, that's amateur hour. And, you know, after that, uh, wonderful goal by Mane. It was the front three, Salah, Firmino, Mane combined. Um, lovely interplay in the header for Mane. Um, Anyway, anything you guys want to say about that goal? I, th- I thought that was that was very, very clever. It, it was a yeah. The the passing pattern there was lovely, and uh, I wouldn't say it was started by Thiago, but he was he was involved in the build up with a nice little reverse ball, um, and he was he was lovely to be honest. I mean, he had a lot of time on the ball, but um, he was, you could tell immediately that Liverpool players were looking towards him and happy to just give him the ball and let him kind of dictate the play. Um, but yeah, that was a fantastic goal. And Mane, like, you don't associate him with headers, but it really was like the angle he had to kind of come back to and get his head around. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and then, <laughs> um, Raul, let's put it this way. Was Kepa this horrendously bad at goalkeeping when he was in La Liga? No, not at all. It did. In fact, he was so good to the point that we... Uh, he had a 20 million euro release clause at the time and Madrid pretty much agreed to bring him in and Zidane blocked it mid-season and I was and many other Madrid fans were really mad at Zizou like why wouldn't you bring him in he's the future this is the next Casillas he's only available for 20 million and you know now in hindsight uh, I mean I apologize to Zizou profusely if you're out there if you're listening um, but no yeah. I, I think it's it's a confidence thing, clearly. It's just it's at the point where I feel I genuinely feel bad for him now mm-hmm. because you can just see that he's he's like he's almost he knows a mistake is going to happen at this point. He wants yeah. Edward Mendy to come in. He's just like, please get a new <laughs> keeper, please. And and the thing that's funny to me is this is a guy who showed you know I don't want to hark, hark back to this, but he showed enough confidence to. Um, essentially keep himself on the pitch and go against his manager's uh, requests in that, yeah. in that Capital One Cup final. That doesn't seem to me like someone that doesn't have confidence in himself, if you're going to go that route. Well, but, he did at one point. He's clearly yeah, lost. He just yeah, he lost it. Yeah. yeah, like now, like I'm saying the, the contrast between that guy mm-hmm. and, and whether or not, and then what we're seeing now, like honestly, he, he should just go to Frank and say, look, just play Willie Caballero at this point. Like, my head is not here. His mistake was horrendous. <laughs> the funny thing is, Lampard tried that towards the end of last season. It wasn't any better. <laughs> it's just like Caballero is so bad as well. But yeah, it was, it was, it's just getting worse like week on week with him. And uh, you feel yeah. in a kind of carrier sort of way, like maybe just go somewhere else out of the spotlight and, and start again. Because he's so young, right? Especially for a keeper. He's, what, 21? So, like, you know, I, I think they just need to get him out of there. A lot of pressure on Edouard Mendy, though, coming <laughs> coming in. It's just like, you have to be really good now because we've had two years of horrendous goalkeeping. Or it's a lot of pretty low pressure because you just have to not be horrible. I guess, yeah, I guess. 
Like when people are making jokes that just shoot anywhere and it's gonna go in. Just <laughs> like Mandy's probably got it good, but but to your point, no one knows if Mandy's any good. Like literally, no one has any idea if Mandy's any good outside of people who watch French football regularly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who he was before this, so uh, I, I, I'm a little bit nervous um, from a Chelsea perspective. Um, we always knew they had this defensive liability, and I'm not entirely convinced that Thiago Silva solves that at his age with his mobility um i think i think he'll be good i actually think you know he'll be decent but it's more of a decent for a 35 year old type of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah uh havertz hooked at halftime i i I, i'm I'm not really sure we should be judging havertz at all right now i think it's going to be a long season and we'll see um but uh you know we always knew it would take new signings a long time to get integrated ZX going to be injured for another month or something. Really? Uh, I mean, I only know this from fantasy football looking at him because I had him <laughs> on my team only to see the red uh, freaking uh, warning sign. I was like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> okay. So I think it's going to be a couple of weeks at, at least he'll be injured for. And then Werner, a good movement, but in front of goal, he looked pretty pathetic in this game, um, I thought. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I think I think they will figure it out. Um, any thoughts from you guys on Frank Lampard's expensive revolution? I think it's promising. Werner looks good to me. Uh, like, yeah, the finishing hasn't been on point, but his movement and the, the runs that he makes and the, the speed that he has, uh, I think it's one of those things where once the players behind him learn his movements and get to know his play better, like they, they'll know where to knock the ball into space for him. And, uh, and Havertz, again, I think Lampard's is trying to figure out how best to use him. And I know mm-hmm. what's going to happen once like, Pulisic is back because uh, he, he has mm-hmm. to play surely. And then you have Havertz and you, you have the Kovacic, Jorginho thing, and Ziyech in a month from now. Who's who's going to be sitting on the bench? It might be Havertz to begin with once everyone's Yeah, fit. Yeah, I think, you know, Havertz, the, the price tag is going to yeah. make people want instant results. But again, very young. And mm-hmm. also, he strikes me as someone who... I, I can see kind of Ozil comparisons. Um, I don't think he's done enough yet, quality-wise, for that. But in terms of his style, he's a bit more languid. He's you know tall, rangy, left-footed. He doesn't have the pace of a Werner, which I think has allowed Werner to like snap in to the Premier League immediately because he can run around, he can press, he can make runs, and his pace just takes him there. Um, whereas for Havertz, it's going to be a lot more complicated to transition. I think so. Yeah, time. Definitely on, needs time. On Werner, I thought he gets into really good positions. And, I, and you know what? I expect that from a German forward. You know, they're very, <laughs> they're very good positionally. Um, he's, his speed is deceptive. It's actually strange how fast he is. Um, I thought that in the one-on-one situations against Fabinho, he could have done better on two occasions, um, which is why a lot of people were like, oh, my God, Fabinho's an amazing center-back. And I'm like, eh, is he? But... Uh, I think eventually Werner will be, instead of running into Fabinho, he'll be skinning him and scoring goals. I, I fully expect that. And I think with Pulisic coming back, I, I don't think it's an accident that they brought in Havertz, Werner, and Pulisic, who has German experience. Um, I, th- I think that's that's a very, very, uh, uh, what's that word? Uh, when you mean to do something. Damn it. What's the word? <laughs> that's the word. The deliberate thing that could pay off. <laughs> I don't know why that's the word I couldn't figure out. Uh, but yeah, let, let's move on to 
uh, Arsenal. Arsenal played West West Ham. West Ham. Came out with a 2-1 win, Alex. Tell us about this. It was not a great performance. Sorry, I just before I go, I just wanted to very quickly say Liverpool also signed Diego, uh, Diogo Jota, and I'm very excited about that because he's great. Um, yeah, Arsenal did not did not play brilliantly. Um, you know, we've seen some some flowing moves in the last few games and, and some, I won't say tiki-taka because that's that's reductive, but just some, some very good passing football. And it, it wasn't necessarily on, on display here. Um, but, you know, Lacazette got the opener. That's two and two for him, which is kind of more than anyone really expected. Um, and uh, and the Mikhail Antonio, you know, scored on just before half time. And that was really dispiriting um, because, it, you know, there are some games in which you're playing at home and you're dominating the game and chances are coming. And so, you know, the, the opposition equalised and you have faith that you'll go on and win. That wasn't really the case here. And Nketiah's winner later on was actually a bit of a surprise, um, but, but a very well-taken goal. Um, what was interesting to me, and I'm, I'm eager to get Raul's thoughts on this, is that um, first game of the season, Elneny partnered Granit Xhaka. Um, Ceballos came back in and was immediately put back into the team, despite El Nini actually playing really well in the first, the first game and in the Community Shield. Um, and, and it was Ceballos that got the assist for Enketia, I believe. Yep, um, it was, yeah. So are you, what, what do you think of, of Ceballos' transition to the Premier League? Are you surprised that Arteta likes him this much or, or is this kind of what you expect from him? No, it's what I expect. Uh, based on uh, whatever minutes he got at Real, he looked to me like one of those uh, one of those midfielders who can adapt to any league and uh, I think I think it was uh, might have been David Silva who said that you know as a Spanish midfielder when you first go to the Premier League you're at first you're kind of thrown haywire by the speed of it all and you know it takes you some time to be used to it but once you get over that initial shock because of the, the speed and the movement in that league you actually see a lot of passing lanes open up and you actually can pick passes that you might not have been able to in La Liga. And I think this is a season where I hope to see that from, from Ceballos. And he's, he's a half-decent dribbler as well, at least from his La Liga days. I don't know. Uh, you could tell me better if he's been showcasing his dribbling in the center of the pitch at, at Arsenal. A little but, bit. He, do, he doesn't get that much time on the ball, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, little touches here and there. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's, he's a high-quality player. Uh, I do. I, I don't. In fact, I was disappointed that Zidane uh, didn't didn't want him back this season. So uh, I'm not surprised. I, I'm expecting big things from him uh, at Arsenal. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I, you know, the talk all summer has been about signing Thomas Partey, and I, I would love that to happen. Um, but it would be interesting to see if he would immediately replace the bias who Arteta seems to have seems to have a lot of faith in. On 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 that. Um, in this game, I only tuned in for the second, ha- second half, and it did look as if West Ham were essentially just bypassing the midfield and going right right at you. Um, you know, combination of poor finishing and nonsensical play at times from West Ham, which you can expect, mm-hmm. um, was their downfall. Is it, does it make, well, let, let me put it this way. Is the problem, because there are lots of, good things you know your attack is doing well um i think your defense is, is gen your team defending overall is significantly improved under arteta i think, oh, I yeah. think those, those are two those are two facts I, I think team defending as you like to say is very important especially if the individuals are terrible um but 
is Parte the missing? I know there's Awar, and is Parte the missing piece? Is the center defensive or, or center midfielder with tenacity the missing piece? Do you think? It, it's really hard to say because, as you said, it, the the defending is so collective right now. Everyone is doing a job, and they're doing it pretty well, and they're doing it with a lot of energy and what have you. Like we started the game with with holding Gabriel and, and Kalasinac. Like, Kalasinac shouldn't be near a football field for anyone, let alone Arsenal. And nothing terrible happened. And that's because everyone's doing their jobs. And so you watch Arsenal play right now and you don't feel necessarily the lack of, of a defensive midfielder. But Xhaka and Ceballos aren't the quickest. They're not the most athletic. Um, and we haven't really had someone like that who can kind of break the lines and uh, and make those runs since I guess Aaron Ramsey although he was injured all the time so I think Partey would give you a different dynamic and maybe one that that would be very useful but I, I don't know maybe maybe Raul can can enlighten us more on what type of players because I'm not I'm not actually convinced he's as defensive as people necessarily think no I think of him as a more of a box-to-box midfielder really he gives you a bit of everything uh, like, yeah, he does give you a lot in, in defense. He's he's strong. He's energetic. He's disciplined, but he also gets forward a lot. He he can pick a pass. Uh, he he has a monster of a long range shot. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I would think of him as a as a box to box midfielder rather than a, a defensive midfielder. Fair enough. Um, I will I will just say on Arsenal before we move on. They have so you know we sold Emi Martinez right, um, mm-hmm. famously of of Getafe on loan. Role, and I don't know if you remember that um but uh he he started for for villa today and he made a penalty save and that's going to be a, a great signing for villa but we replaced him with uh, a young well 24 25 year old icelandic keeper called alex runarsson sorry his name is runar alex runarsson because uh, you know how icelandic names work um and according to journalists who cover French football he's fucking rubbish but he's worked with our goalkeeping coach before and on top of that um Edu did the, did the press conference or whatever and said like he's got qualities as as a player and as a person that we're looking for um oh. I don't know if you guys saw the story but Renarsson had to delete a bunch of tweets that he made a few years ago uh that were really like angry and derogatory towards Arsene Wenger calling him a French fuck and like a couple <laughs> other things. It was like, sorry, this kid's got the human qualities that we're looking for. That's fantastic. <laughs> and he's not good at football. What a signing! Unbelievable. <laughs> it's just. So I don't weird. know what to say. I don't know what to follow that up with. That is uh, that is yeah. unreal. And he got a standard Arsenal four-year contract, so all good. Well, uh, actually, since we're talking uh, Arsenal players with uh, questionable offensive uh, tweets. I think uh, Ceballos has been uh, criticized for that as well because he said some yeah. offensive things about, uh, I think, the Catalan independence movement. Uh, well, not only that, teenager. The, the, yeah, the, the Basques as well. I think it was um, Barcelona were playing Athletic Bilbao and he basically said that the San Mames should be bombed, or maybe it was the Camp Nou. One of the two that should be bombed and oh. all the pigs should be killed or whatever. Oh. Um, and there's someone on Twitter pointed out to me that not only is, uh, is Arteta... Basque, but you know, obviously grew up playing football in Catalonia. So, like, imagine that first meeting. <laughs> it's like, hey, bro, <laughs> we're gonna sleep this under the rug, but I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's stay with uh, 
North London. Um, I don't know if it was played at home. It was away, but whatever. The North London team. You get my segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Mourinho Spurs. After uh, all or nothing and getting nothing last week, they got it all um, this week. Um, 5-2 blitzing of uh, Southampton with Son getting four goals. I think Harry Kane, four assists. Uh, FPL nightmare for me because didn't have any of them. Um, yeah, do you guys watch this game? It's the highlights. Same yeah. Here. It was yeah, early, so right? It was an early game. It was early. I woke up and it was already halftime. Good thing that all the, all the things happened in the second half. Um, but yeah, this, this was kind of crazy. Because I woke up and I was, I was scrolling through Twitter and there were a lot of angry Tottenham fans like, saying we're shit basically and you know continuing on from the performance against Everton last week and then the second half I assume Southampton had been playing the same high line in the first half so I don't really know why it wasn't getting <laughs> penetrated every three seconds then but the second half was just a joke like I know Hazard I like Hazard and I know he likes his high pressing and whatnot but like if if the opposition are getting in behind your defense every few minutes and scoring like maybe try something else you know, there's, there's, there's a thing there um, about, I think certain German coaches feel it's philosophy or die. And Dan, Daniel Farke from Norwich culture is exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care. if we get, He literally did not care if they got relegated <laughs> as long as they played the way he wanted them to play. And <clears throat> this guy, it's as if, you know, after the 9-0, he started to tighten up a bit because he's like, mm-hmm. okay, now this is ridiculous. I think he's like, I'm going to keep trying this until it sticks. But when they get beaten up, maybe I'll tighten up just a little bit because he got this beating in early this season compared to last, thank God. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, I, I think on, on show here was, um, was Harry Kane's ability as a as a creator and that like since losing Ericsson who kind of tailed off towards the end as, as we also in the documentary because he wanted to leave um Spurs have lacked creativity especially when you know until very recently and Don Blay hasn't really been in the team and also has been unfit and so Kane dropping into that role we kind of see him do that more for England with like Rashford and Sterling what have you he kind of drops in and then he's the one that turns and plays the, the passes. And honestly, his passing is underrated, if anything. Like, he's when he gets that, that space and time to play those passes, like, they're phenomenal. Some of those assists were absolutely beautiful balls. Yeah, he, he, he did well. And I think it's it's the sign that, that he's he's able to adapt his game because, you know, we as you, you kind of alluded to, we've been talking about his physicality or, or, or lack thereof, not like the physicality, his, um, declining. Yeah. Physicality and, and, you know, speed, he's lost a bit of that, but if you have the intelligence, you can always make up for it. And I think that's, that's what we saw here. And of course you've got Son who on his, Son is weird in that his stats are respectable. His performances are always good. His stats are never incredible, but he's, they're good. So some people don't actually realize how good of a player Son actually is, um, but he's he's a wonderful player and 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 he's he's showing it and good for good for Jose and now he can complement Son and Kane with um, Rahul's favorite player in the world, uh, Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. Rahul, how do you feel about um, Gareth Bale to Spurs? 
I'm just glad that he's gone. I've just been tired of his attitude and his shitty performances the last two years. Uh, he was great for us before that, but he's been really shitty for a long time. Uh, contrary to a lot of the narrative that I see from people who don't actually watch Real and uh, and think we don't appreciate Gareth Bale, but he's really been awful the last couple of years. So we need a break from him. He needs a break from us. Uh, and Spurs, I mean, we'll see if he's fit. He's obviously got the quality. And if Harry Kane keeps playmaking like that, and and Son is dragging a defender this way and Gareth Bale can get him behind on the other wing. Uh, he, he could have some joy. So I wish him well. But I'm glad he's uh, <laughs> no longer with us. That's for sure. That's that's fair. Wait, what about Sergio Reguilón? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that move because uh, although we've sold him to Spurs, we do have a buyback clause on him two years from now, which is also incidentally when Marcelo's contract expires. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's a, yeah, he's a really high quality player. And I think, uh, you know, two years in the Premier League would be fantastic grounding for him to develop. And uh, I think he's better than Ben Davies. <laughs> Wouldn't you? The bar is low. <laughs> so he should get a lot of playing time. And, and he's, I actually think of him as more of a, a pep type of fullback and that he really likes to come infield and drift inside. Uh, so he's, he's a very technical, gifted, fast young fullback and, uh, yeah, I, uh, more than Bale, I'm, I'm going to be watching Spurs to see how, how Regulon gets on. I, I find that transfer simply unbelievable. <laughs> you know, from our my my guys were linked, thought this was happening, except we, we thought we were, you know, arrogant United. No, 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 we're not going to insert a buy, we're not going to have a buyback clause, which to me is the right thing to do. But Spurs said, ah, fine, fuck it. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you have him back in two years if you want him. I, I, I can't. I mean, I can understand it because we know Jose won't be here in two years. So Jose's pushing us and doesn't really care. Um, but this is a deal that only benefits, well, in the long term, benefits Real Madrid because Real Madrid holds all the cards, similar to the Morata deal. It's it's kind of unreal to me, but, you know, if it yeah, works for this, two years, this it is works. Why, this is why I never felt that the Man United move was going to happen because I knew that Madrid would insist on a buyback clause and... United are not the kind of club who would agree to that, and rightly so, like you said. So as far as it, it, it works out perfectly, I mean, they want a short-term left-back for a couple of years, and Regulon gets to play, and we get to see how he develops, and we can decide if we want him back in a couple of years. Uh, so it works out. So that Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I think this actually works for everyone. I, I don't think it's it, it's crazy from a Spurs perspective. Obviously, they you know, you'd prefer as a buying club that, uh, that the seller doesn't have a buyback clause. But in this case, if Reguilón comes in, has a couple of good seasons, Real Madrid decide that they want to buy him back. And he just, I mean, he has to decide he wants to go as well, which you'd think he would, but you never know these things, right? He's, he didn't get on with Zidane. He hasn't had a fantastic time, frankly, at Real Madrid. He hasn't been given any playing time. Um, Can he actually, in, in this situation, like, I, I'm pretty sure Morata wanted to stay at Juventus, but, I mean, does he have a say? Oh yeah, no. The player, the player has to agree. Yeah. To okay, it. okay, okay. And um, uh, in two years from now, I, I don't know if Zidane will still be there. I don't think he's going you know, to be like an Alex Ferguson and stay for decades. Like that doesn't really happen anymore. He might have so, left and come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so a lot depends on who's the coach. Then you know, right yeah. now, Ferlon Mondi is, is very different from Regulon. Like I'm comfortable with having Mondi instead of Regulon. They're just different. 
but you know, Regulon wants to come back in a couple of years and lock horns for the fullback position, and you know, maybe he'll be up for it. Maybe he won't. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Bernie? Yeah? You support a football team. Do I? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty much into cricket nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Donny van der Beek scored a goal, but how many Crystal Palace score? Uh, they scored three. Um, oh yeah, this was this was a shambles of a uh, of a game. Um, for, when the lineup came out, I went to my Manchester United group chat and I said, "This is fucking annoying," because I saw Dan James on the right and I saw Scott McTominay in the middle, and my brain just went, "I don't mind either of them." But I don't want them to start this football match. <laughs> so I didn't have a good feeling going in. And then, uh, oh, Fosumensa started right back as well. And it was very clear to me, this is going to be a bad day. Why did Fosumensa start? Because Wambasaka is quarantining. Oh. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's add, a good reason. Add to him quarantining um bruno just having a baby so he's only had two days of training pogba still recovering from coronavirus uh mason only having two days of training because of his fiasco and having to be isolated from the rest of the team because of covid protocol it's been the most shambolic preparation um for for these games oh and then don't get me into Maguire being a criminal in Greece apparently um there's been no preparation whatsoever and it absolutely showed it was the worst performance I think I've seen since that 4-0 Everton debacle and the biggest defeat in over in the last 12 months in the league so it, it's 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 a disgust it was a disgusting performance top to bottom well, it, if I'm just being honest can I touch on the, the Pogba thing? Um, so we heard, what, a few weeks ago that Pogba was one of the players that contracted coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, Roel, from like everything that we know about COVID, should someone be able to play Premier League football like two, three weeks later? I mean, that just seems like I'm very, don't get me wrong, very glad he's recovered. But given what we know about this virus, it seems like a really quick turnaround. That is bizarre. In fact, until Bernie just mentioned it, I didn't know that Pogba had uh, had COVID-19. So if he was only diagnosed two or three weeks ago, that's, that's bizarre. Well, he tested positive on August 27th. And then you've got to firstly recover from it, or if you have symptoms, right? And then you, you know, just factor in your two-week... Um, what's it called uh quarantine yeah. and even after you've done the quarantine there's protocol that like you have to train separately before you can be like there's a reintegration process um and so he only got into training on the tuesday which is, that's uh, why he was subbed off i presume because he wasn't very good i mean someone said he looked like he was he he, he was re- struggling for air <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm laughing at it, but he was so. It was I was, I was talking to Mohanad on the weekend, like passes that were like one foot mm-hmm. away. He couldn't make some, and that that's that's not that's not normal to me uh, at all. And that's when I would say to the manager, "Look, mate, you you just bought Donny Van de Beek, who clearly mm-hmm. didn't have coronavirus. Like, is it really that? Like, I can understand betting in a new signing and all, but maybe this is the case where you say Pug when you come off the bench, but." I don't make the call. 
Fair enough. Well, speaking of Van der Beek, what did you make of his debut? Because um, he was uh, he was supposed to go to Real Madrid, but that fell through, I guess, because of financial stuff due to the coronavirus. So, yeah. Oh, after after I comment, I'd love to get Rahul's thoughts on on him and the Real Madrid links because honestly, when he came on, he was just playing one touch football, mm. which I was like, huh, what? <laughs> you know like we were doing that like just after lockdown and stuff like that when we we're beating teams left and right but in the context of this game i was like oh pass and move that's what we're doing today and he looked really sharp really good i i did enjoy his his overall performance his willingness to literally pass and move into space and i thought man if we can get our fitness and you know our, our players actually prepared this could be interesting with this guy um so i was very very impressed by by him you know all things considered we got absolutely destroyed um lindelof played like an absolute donkey um and i'm so glad that we're linked to tell tell and i hope we've put that like, get that done because luke shaw needs to be put down <laughs> absolutely put down <laughs> um but yeah rahul there was some very strong links if not almost done van der Beek to madrid what, what do you know about that um, personally, I'd, I'd never really wanted it to happen. I do like him, at, and I think he looked really good off the bench for United. But for me, my concern was we have uh, Martin Odegaard, who had an amazing season at Sociedad last season. Mm -hmm. He's been developing really well year after year from his loan spells in uh, the Eredivisie and then Sociedad. And uh, so I think at the, at the club, that was probably thinking too, like, do we really need to spend... I think at the time last summer we were being quoted like 60 million or something for Van der Beek. Mm. And the second half of the season, Modric actually started playing pretty well again. We discovered Fede Valverde, different type of player, but you know, again, another very good player. And now we have Odegaard back. So there's really no need for a Van der Beek. Our, uh, our concerns and our flaws are elsewhere. So firstly, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen. Fair enough. I mean, it, the, another concern is presumably that it, Donny van der Beek in a white kit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you wouldn't be able to really see it. To see yeah. things there. He'd, just... be, he'd be lost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that's why probably why we have like the little zebra thing on our white kit. <laughs> help him stand out a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that, that team needs, needs depth, needs players. It needs a lot of different things and um, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't mention this for Rache. Ed Woodward has put his house up for sale, probably in advance of it being absolutely destroyed by the fans if he doesn't get Jaden Sancho. <laughs> I, lo I love the idea that Woodward has to move house every transfer window. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fans just attack it. I laugh, but I'm very sure that's why he did it. <laughs> probably. So probably. Is, is, that, is that not happening now? Sancho, where, where are we at that? Um, so all I keep reading is United are still talking to Dortmund and all I keep wondering, so this is from Romano, everyone, they say that they are still discussing this deal, though Dortmund come out and say he's not leaving, but Romano keeps saying they are in discussions about this. And I just wonder, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't know. Like, Rahul, if you want jollof rice from me, like, you know, we're, we're going to have a conversation about what it's going to cost. Right, yeah, I don't then, think we're going to spend three months talking about jollof rice. Like, I don't know. If I tell you this is my price, and I tell you that every day for a week, you're going to be like, I don't want it or I want it. Like, end of story. 
Well, if, if me getting Jalof is the analogy for Sancho going to United, then I have bad news for United fans. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bernie owes me, I think, 52 Jalof servings by this point. I don't even wow. know. I have a spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> However, unlike unlike okay. this, we are still talking about it, which is the point. So, Bernie's so like, can I give you three jollofs and then another three in two years? And then... <laughs> uh, I, I I think it will happen. I think it will happen because I, you know, Patrice Ever came out today, yelling. Uh, Gary Neville came out yelling. The fans are yelling. It's never been this bad on the board. Usually, they go against a manager and the board. They're not going after the manager. They're going after the board and Woodward now. It's it, if they don't pull off this signing, I think Manchester is going to explode. Well, how uh, even, uh, even Luke Shaw piped up and, and said they need players. And the funny thing is, the first player they're going to sign is a replacement for him. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which I didn't I didn't know if it was like totally un, like no self awareness or anything like that. Oh um, man, can, but, can I read you this this paragraph from the Guardian yeah. article about um, the Alex Tellis thing because it is savage. Um, it says. Uh, last season, Tellus, who takes penalties, scored 11 times in the Premier League and made eight assists. In Porto's opening day 3-1 win over Braga on Sunday, he scored two penalties and provided the assist for Sergio Oliveira's strike. And then, full stop, right? Next mm-hmm. sentence. In 158 Premier League appearances for United, Shaw has scored once and made seven assists. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's gone. I'm just Unreal. saying. Unreal. It's, it's, it's like... you. He thinks he has the support of the manager, but the manager's literally trying to buy your replacement right now. It's just so funny. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, we're talking about badly run clubs. Real Madrid have been planning. Um, I just want to make a point of this. Real Madrid, with the youth um, acquisition they've been making, Real Madrid can afford not to sign players. Like, regardless of what we think, the squad is good, whatever. But I still think that even if they didn't have a great, you know, squad on paper, You've you've been putting the work in that you can take a year off of signing people. Yes, is, is yeah. what I mean because the the youth signings are coming to the fore now. Zidane has been blooding them in. United don't have that because United need three or four players. I mean, they'll probably make top four still, but three or four players to do something useful in this world. So, and they're going to cost a lot of money. It's it's like Barcelona to me, just terribly run football clubs, signing players for the sake of it, wasting money. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm ready to fly to Manchester if I can and go burn some shit now. You, uh, Bernie, do you agree with everything Evra said in his Instagram rant? Was that pretty spot on to you? Mostly. Mostly. Uh, I, do, I didn't care for him saying Avram Glazer cares for the club. I think that was him just giving them a little bit in case he wants a job. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, but no, everything is absolutely correct. Edward Ward has no idea what he's doing. Agents laugh at Man United. They it, look, Alex. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you, mm-hmm. you, you do you think Alex Tell is a good player? Yeah. If I told you he's available for 20 million, are you, how long are you going to negotiate this deal? Uh, one minute. It's done. This is what I'm talking about. We don't need to negotiate this thing down. No. Just, Liverpool bought Jota in 24 hours. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Forty mil. It took them a day. You heard about the deal in the morning. He was signed at night. Like, give me a break. It is, it is weird. It is weird. I, I would, you know, we we see these documentaries, but we don't get we we don't get enough detail to really know why why things 
are much easier for some clubs than others. And it is really interesting. Like it was the same was true with the Maguire deal. It took you three months to get that done. Sancho is taking all summer if it happens at all. Telus has been a couple of weeks already. Like it, it is strange, isn't it? Not, not to harp on, but you just mentioned Maguire. They were quoted 80 million in May. And then they tried to negotiate it. And then they paid 80 million in August. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't tell me this is a football club that, that even knows how to negotiate, so why waste your time? <laughs> no idea. Um, question for Raul. Everton beat West Brom 5-2. They've won their first two games. Someone that I really want to get your opinion on. Dominic Calvert. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> James Rodriguez. Did you, did you expect... I mean, obviously, he's been out of favour at Real Madrid for a couple of years. Um... And he's had a, a good start, but do you expect this to go well? Because I, I'm I'm not convinced yet. Um, I'll just say I'm, I'm not surprised that he started so well because I really felt that he would do well playing for Carlo because he played the best football he's ever played in his career in the 2014-15 season at Real when Carlo was a coach. And he's a, he's a player who plays, who likes to play vertically. He passes the ball forwards all the time. He doesn't like to pass back. He's not a tiki-taka player. He's a direct passing player. And I think, uh, I think there was a lot of uh, uh, misinformation thrown around about Zidane mistreating Bale. But I think, in my opinion, the guy he maybe mistreated was Hamas. Uh, I don't know if mis- mistreat might be a strong word, but I just don't know why he didn't rate Hamas. I, I thought like the way Zidane likes to play, Hamas uh, seems to fit, fit the bill. And Wait, can can you say something, something like that without prefacing it by saying unpopular opinion, Colon? Sorry, sorry, say again? Okay, can you say something like that without prefacing it by saying unpopular opinion? Uh, well, Hamas has always been so polarizing even among Madridistas. Like there's there's an Isco camp and there's a Hamas camp. And oh, both, really? Yeah, and this is like, this This is our internal fan politics that I'm letting you guys in. <laughs> if you are, because, because uh, there's no room for nuance or a gray area, whatever, in, in this world of football Twitter, if you like Isco, then you hate Hamas and you want him to die. And if you like Hamas, then, you know, you think Isco's crap. So he's always been, he's always polarized the fan base, but I'm in that camp who happens to like both. Um, and... Uh, so I'm I'm really rooting for him at Everton. I hope I hope he hope he carries on and, and does well and maybe gets another move to a bigger club while he's uh, still you know uh, youngish. He's not not that young. I think he's in yeah. his late twenties. But if he does really well, he might have one more big move in. Who knows? You know, the Ancelotti is not going to be there in two years. Um, so uh, yeah, just like Regulon, <laughs> there might be greener pastures after this. So we'll see. You just have to follow Carlo around. Carlo, all vibes, Ancelotti. Exactly, exactly. But uh, we're, we're, we're going to end it there. Uh, we've gone over time. And while we've still got good vibes and no one's yelling, um, <laughs> me in, in particular, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, Rahul, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully we can do a trivia night and you guys can contest your... Did you win last time? Yeah, we did. You know we did. Yeah. You did. So hopefully you can retain your, your title whenever we're allowed to uh, get get this going <laughs> post-COVID. Um, yeah, Alex, thank you for making it even though late. We, we appreciate your, your, your presence, my, my friend. Glad to be here. Nothing I'd rather be doing. All right. Thanks, gents. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Cheers, Benny. Cheers.
Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh, and for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.